Hello everyone, welcome to BCM Reviews. I'm your host, Brian. Um, today I'm going to be reviewing Zack Snyder's Justice League. So right now I'm talking to you at the 27th. So it's basically a week since I've seen uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. And, uh, you know... I actually didn't watch it like the day of because of, of course, work and other stuff. You know, Saturday seems to be a good opportunity to just lay back and watch a four-hour movie in its entirety. So, thank God for weekends. Um, and before I fully get on this review, you know, talking what I liked, you know, what I didn't like and all that stuff. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about is... Maybe I should say this for the end, but I just want to really clear the air a little bit. That, you know, as someone who loves comic books, you know, um, I'm someone who, you know, DC, you know, Batman, all those characters, they were what I was exposed to first, right? And... Because of that, it made me appreciate comic books regardless if it was either a DC, Marvel, or an independent branch like Image Comics or Spawn. I don't care. Just I love comic books so much, but just that in the case of DC, which is of course what you were first, what I was first exposed to, you never forget your first love. Get what I'm saying? It's weird, but you follow what I'm saying. But, you know, as I'm watching, you know, Zack Snyder's Justice League, you know, the Justice League is a team in which I have much respect for, much regard. And, you know, watching the Avengers when I was like, I think I went to first see the first Avengers movie at like the age of 13, I believe. And I remember watching that and like, you know, when will DC do something similar to that? When will we see the world's greatest heroes in Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, The Flash, Cyborg, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter? When will we see those characters brought in their, you know... I mean, when will we see those characters brought into their, you know, their fullest extent, you know? And and we see them fighting off the forces of evil together, similar to, you know, a beloved show of mine, you know, the Justice League animated series from 2001 and Justice League Unlimited. And when it comes to um, Zack Snyder's Justice League, as good as the film is, I just don't feel that same connection, that same vibe, that same energy, that same sense of like, you know, I care for these characters, you know what I mean? And, you know, a lot of that is due to, you know, a rushed cinematic universe and all that stuff, but for what it is, and the story that, you know, about Zack Snyder and his 
fight for it. It's made me, you know, appreciate it for what it is. And it's really something that, you know, you don't get too often, but it's, um, damn, what can I say? It? It's not very, hmm. sorry guys, I'm just really like improvising here and it's um it's a very special event i can say that and because of what makes it so special that is why i have you know a sense of respect for it for what it is and you know what i believe and and you know all that stuff but anyway i'm not going to you know bore you any longer with you know what i think and you know my feelings regarded so i'm just going to really dive in give my honest review tell you what i liked what i didn't like and of course uh give you my honest opinions on you know what this film is you know my thoughts and opinions on Zack snyder and the future of the DCAU and the new rising hashtag of Restore the Snyderverse. So let's get to it. Um, the good is that the film is overall better than the theatrical version we saw in 2017. We see moments in the film, in the beginning, where we view the death of Superman, which activates the mother boxes, and we see, you know, one thing you have to say about Zack Snyder is that he is someone who has a great eye. And with that great eye of his, he knows how to direct the camera. He knows how to get the viewer's attention to a certain scene or to a certain person or person. And you see kind of like these echoes, you know, go all over the world where these mother boxes are being held. And, you know, that is something that's very great. Like, I'll be honest with you, when I first saw the, uh, the, the second trailer for the Snyder Cut and kind of saw that, I was kind of like, did we really have to see that? I mean, did we really have to see Superman with bad breasts? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Did we have to know that Superman has bad breath and, you know, all that type of stuff? So, yeah, that that's basically what I thought of it. But as you see it, it kind of like, you know, it looks impressive. And um, another, uh, something else that I really found really cool was our first introduction into Steppenwolf in Themyscira and the battle with the Amazons for, you know, the mother boxes, you know. Stuff we saw, of course, in the theatrical version, but, you know, this film does an even better job in that whole, like, sequence where, you know, the Amazon are trying to, you know, do keep away and all that type of stuff, and we first see the new and improved uh, uh, Steppenwolf where it's more like, you know, he looks like a hammerhead, but he looks more like a sharp, a spiky hammerhead type shark type of look to it and there's like great line where you know Steppenwolf comes in from the boom tube and he's like 
I will bathe in your fear. And, you know, uh, the Queen the Queen Hippolyta is like, Amazons, show them your fear. And they're like, we have no fear. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a great, um, this, uh, something great that the film does is introducing the members of the League. Now, this goes back into what I said before about rushing the cinematic universe. So they've done this and it's like, okay, you chose not to give these characters a solo film before they all team up. So how are you going to use the time of the film to basically tell who your characters are? Who are the players in this film? And I feel that although we don't get proper character development, we get proper character arcs in a way we kind of have a good sense of like who they are what they can do what they can contribute and all that type of stuff so I think that it's something that this film does not the best but it does pretty well um we have you know a great um sequence is the the flashback scene where we first see the invasion of Earth from dark, uh, you know, that dark side with dark side, and we see the first time the union of the Greek god, the armies of men, the Atlanteans, the Amazon, and a Green Lantern. And we see like how the whole thing is played out, it just feels very epic. It feels very, um, you know, 300 esque, you know, coming from Zack Snyder who made 300, it really has this very vibe of like, you know, this is something great that happened. And, you know, I, I do give Snyder credit when it comes to visuals. Um, now, Crown Jewel, the most important character, you guessed it, the brother man, Ray Fisher as Cyborg. Now, a lot of his screen time was cut from the theatrical version, which was due to Joss Whedon and studio interference at the time. But you know, I will get that into I'll get into that into a whole different type of discussion, and you know later. And I'll be honest with you, he gave a very good performance in this one. Like you could really feel what was going on inside his head inside his heart and you basically felt that this is a guy who is trying to come to terms with what just happened to him that you know he lost his mother and he lost a sense of what he once was and now he's just trying to figure out like okay I'm this half man half machine and how do I live with that how do I how do I cope with it and we kind of see him do that way better than we saw in the um, the original version of Justice League in 2017. And it's just very heartfelt and, you know, and, and you, it's very heartfelt and you kind of see him going through this journey in this film of him being, you know, an introverted, unfortunate victim of circumstances to being a full-on superhero. And I believe that film handled that very well. And credits to Zack Snyder. You know, 
And um, I'm reading from uh, from my notes. Um, now we have in our third act, the final act. You know, the iconic come together. You know, as as he would say that this is uh, Snyder's way of like of like basically okay, this is my last shot at making a DC film. So I felt that we saw this in, you know, Superman, you know, coming back and him getting the black suit and regenerating and doing the final battle with Steppenwolf. And, you know, as we see that whole sequence with Superman of him, like, coming back to the Kryptonian ship and getting the black suit, we hear both his fathers, both Jonathan Kent and Jor-El basically talking to him and basically redoing that first flight scene from Man of Steel 2.0 and basically giving, like, um, basically, in Snyder's way, giving the Superman that we all wanted in the DCU where, you know, one of the main criticisms of Zack Snyder was that Superman felt very dark, very moody, very, you know, felt very emo in a way. And we kind of see that rectified a bit in this scene where we finally see Superman doing Superman things. And I think that the film really gets, um, it's really, it's really better for it, honestly. Um, let's see what else. And the final battle scene, like, I'll be honest with you, I saw there's the amazing shot in, um, that amazing, like, shot when we see basically, like, the entire league, you know, minus Superman, of course, you know, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, uh, Batman, and the Batmobile, of course, and, and, you know, uh, Flash all running together and facing off, and it just felt a very epic shot, and it's a very DC's version of, you know, what Marvel did in Age of Ultron, and I felt that was done very well, I felt that when we finally see these heroes come together to fight off the forces of evil, it feels some way deserved. It feels like they have been, they have been through trials and tribulations that you understand why they have to come together in order to resolve this issue. Um, a great thing is around the, um, the third act was the flash scene. So... In this one, I really do have to give credit to Junkie XL, who uh, did like an amazing score for like the Flashpoint Flash scene where he kind where it was uh, Flash was too late. He couldn't like stay, uh, he couldn't stop the unity from happening, so he kind of uses the speed force to break the rule and run, basically turn back time in doing so. And I felt that sequence was done very well both visually and the score from Junkie XL just felt very awesome. I just, like, it, it was incredible. Like, I have to really give, you know, Junkie XL credit for that. 
And honestly, overall, I enjoyed the film for what it is, certain aspects of it. It felt unique. It felt very, there was a sense of um, uh, tourship from Snyder in this film. And it's something that is uniquely his. And as someone who appreciates art for what it is, and I appreciate his his uh, take on it, you know, certain aspects, not all of it, but I appreciate it for what it is. And it really shows his strengths as a filmmaker. And that is done very well. Now, at the same time, as good as it is, there are certain aspects that are pretty bad. And like I said, I'm going to give my honest review, which is basically... Um, my honest review. Um, I think one of the bad things about this movie, it's, uh, um, it's uh, the excessive amount of slow motion. Now, recently, IGN just posted something saying that Zack Snyder's Justice League just basically uses 10% of slow motion. I mean, okay, but why is it noticeable in every scene we see, I don't know, Wonder Woman? Why is it so noticeable when we see scenes with, I don't know, basically any other character, like... Like, for, for Flash, I completely understand why you would use slow motion, but it's kind of like, eh, it's a bit too much. Like, it kind of really drags on and kind of really turns you away from the film, and I just really feel that I always appreciate films that kind of have more of a keep-in-moving type of mindset. I mean, I love slow motion, but it's only if it's done in a way that it helps me understand what is, it gives me a deeper knowledge of what is going on, you know. Maybe there's something I haven't seen, maybe there's something, you know, if in a normal, you know, uh, fr uh, you know frame per second, the human eye couldn't see it, but I, I just felt that it, it was overall just too excessive. Um... Yeah, yeah, and of course you have that as well in a lot of scenes with Wonder Woman, I've said that, and especially, you know, where we first see Wonder Woman, and also a side note onto what was good, I felt that this film kind of helped restore Wonder Woman to her former status of a badass. Now, love or hate Wonder Woman 84, she didn't feel like a badass warrior in that film and I feel that with uh, Justice League it is a return to form of like you know you know Wonder Woman the you know the badass female warrior she doesn't take any crap from anyone you know and she's taking no prisoners she's about her business and all that type of stuff and you know it's one great thing and you know as great as that whole sequence was in the um, the museum I felt that it was a bit too excessive. You know, one of the main gripes that Zack Snyder has, that I have with Zack and a lot of people have with Zack in the film is that he favors things that make, that he favors things that look cool, that, that looks pleasing to, you know, the human eye, but he doesn't do things that kind of make sense. 
So we kind of see that in that whole sequence where, okay, you know, Diana has 13 minutes to get rid of the bomb, take out bad guys, and do all of that in 13 seconds, right? So he, she throws, she goes up the up to the air, she throws the bomb, uh, you know, up the air to the sky, and okay, crisis averted, and destruction and property damage has been, you know, prevented. She comes back and, and deals with the leader who is responsible for the terrorist attack. And she uses her, of course, her iconic move where she has her, uh, her like bracelets, her gauntlets, and bangs it and kind of uh, obliterates the guy by, and, and by doing, by obliterating him, it also causes more property damage in, onto the museum. And it's kind of like, it's a bit counterproductive where you were trying to, you know, help the situation, but at the same time, you just made the situation much worse. And that's basically how I felt about that. Um, I also feel that, you know, as great as this film was, and I, me taking into consideration that, you know, this is Zack Snyder's last shot in, DC, in making a DC film, so he needs to make it, uh, you know, make it big, you know, either go hard or go home. But I felt that there are certain scenes that I just felt that could have been cut off or altered. And one of those scenes is the introduction of Flash, of Barry Allen. Now, I have to say, um, Ezra Miller is less annoying in this one. You know, he's not like making jokes, he's not making brunch jokes and all that type of stuff. But it's kind of like as you're watching you know, that scene where we first meet him when he, he's in Central City, he's in, in a pet shop, and he's applying for a job and all that type of stuff. I just feel like, you know, the sequence in where she first, where he first meets um, Iris, uh, Iris West, I feel like, like a guy really, you know, dozing off and you know not paying attention I mean of course of course that can happen but I just feel like why introduce a love couple this way like for me I mean that's just for me I think that how the scene should have went on when we were first introduced to Barry Allen is um that scene in um no how I would have done it is like all right instead of having him apply for a job we see him either testing how testing out his new suit his new flash suit to really see okay what materials can i use to prevent my clothes from you know my shoes or my clothes from burning up due to me running to this at the speed of light and also, his first night crime fighting. Like, one of the great things I meet personally when, when it comes to a lot of, um, you know, superhero shows or movies is basically, you know, these heroes aren't perfect. These heroes need to start from somewhere. They, they make mistakes. They have to really, you know, crawl before they can walk. And I feel that it, we could have had a scene where 
Flash basically has his first night as the Flash. You know, Barry has his first night as the as the Flash, and we see him, you know, handling criminals. And while doing that, we see him interact with uh, Iris West, and from that, we kind of see him, you know glances at her and, you know, has a sense of interest, kind of like a uh, a Mary Jane Spider-Man, you know, type of introduction, like in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. Kind of that way, similar. But anyway, that's my opinion. I feel that, um, I mean, for overall, I, I like the sequence where we first introduce, where, where we first see Flash and, you know, his powers and what he can do and all that type of stuff. So, that's just kind of my gripe with it, and that's pretty much it. Um, another scene that I believe should have been cut is <sighs> Martian Manhunter. God damn it, Snyder. Alright. Now, I love Martian Manhunter. I like the character. I like the overall look, the overall... You know, me watching the animated series and... A lot of, of the other stuff that he's been in. You have a world-weary, wise type of feel from him. And for him, basically, at the end, you know, I, I believe that, that that was a new footage. For him to come at the end and basically be like, Hey, uh, I know that I didn't get the chance to come to, come to the world's aid in Man of Steel and in BVS. I'm like, and like, he's like, but I am willing to help now because I feel that you guys are doing some real good and all that type of stuff. And I just felt that it just really makes his character look more like a punk than like a real, like, you know, solid guy. I mean, Again, you know, they didn't get their own solo movies, man. That's just, you know, that's pretty much it. I mean, and, you know, it's one of the issues that this film sort of has. Um, now, all right. Now, I have to say that... You know, overall, the film, as good as it is, there are certain creative choices that I just feel weren't very important. Um, one of them were certain lines. I mean, like like I said, Zack Snyder has a great eye, has a great way of doing things visually, but... You know, like I said, he favors things that look cool over things that make sense. And because of it, I feel that his films suffer because of it. And, you know, this film is, you know, you know, small, you know, it's, uh, we obviously see that not too much in this film, but it feels very prominent. And, you know, he kind of does it for, of course, the sake of being dark and edgy and all that type of stuff. And we have in the final scene, in the final, like, epilogue where, we're, where we return to the nightmare, you know, reality. And we see, you know, 
the last survivors of the league, such as, you know, Mira, uh, you know, uh, Deathstroke, you know, Cyborg, The Flash, and we see, you know, a cool, uh, you know, an interaction between Ben Affleck's Batman and Jared Leto's The Joker. And, you know, I know, man, I've caught a lot of people, you know, uh, a little bit out of pocket, but, you know, that's their opinion, but a lot of people say some stuff about this interaction between Batman and the Joker is, you know, better than what we got in the Dark Knight, and I'm like, hold on, play, no, 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 we ain't, we ain't gonna do that. We're not going to do that. You know, we're not going to get out of line here. All right. And I just felt that in that scene, it's which is cool. And it kind of really brings us back to this long feud between them. But I feel, of course, that due to us not knowing too much about what went on between them, we're just kind of like left to fill in the blanks. And and yeah, Um Oh, also to note to to mention, um, Jared Leto. Give me a minute, y'all. Now, uh, the new images for Jared Leto, the Joker, for this film was you know spread, starting to you know spread. I was like, okay, I like the look. I like the surgeon outfit. I like the the the, the vest he has with the badges and all that type of stuff. I like the uh, kind of like the saw serial serial killer that he has, where you know the, the tattoos are removed, thank God, you know the long hair and all that type of stuff, and you know, I still feel that he hasn't proven himself. You know, he hasn't shown his valor. He hasn't like mastered. I I feel that Jared Leto hasn't mastered what it takes to play the Joker. Now I understand the Joker has been played out for many years. A lot of other actors have done great job, but I just feel that there is he he doesn't get it. That's how I feel personally. You know, like don't get don't get it twisted. Jared Leto is a great actor. But I feel that with the, um, I just feel that in this film, he hasn't mastered, you know, what, what, what kind of dark energy does it take to play the Joker? Like, I remember I was listening to this, uh, this podcast and they were saying that Jared Leto has what you would call fake dark energy. And when I heard that, I was like, yo, that makes so much sense. No wonder he was trash in Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, but, but here's the thing. You know, third time, I, I'm going to give him a last chance, right? If, say, lo and behold, I don't know, they say... Uh, if say they if he, that he's given another chance to, you know, play the Joker in another movie, I'll give him a chance. But if it doesn't really go out to as I expected, 
as I want it to go out and be like, mm, nah, shawty, that shit ain't happening again. You lost all your chances with me. Alright, so we are at our final question is the differences to restore the Snyderverse and the future of the DCU and Zack Snyder. Now, the difference, of course, is that completely night and day. But as I'm watching this film, I just feel like I'm just brought back to all the stuff that I heard about uh, Justice League is unwatchable. Uh, this is a trash film. This is, you know, you can't, people can't watch this. We can't deliver, you can't put this film out to the world and expect people to take it. And, you know, of course we had the unfortunate tragedy in Zack Snyder's life. And because of it, it, um, sorry. We had the unfortunate tragedy in Zack Snyder's life, and because of it, he had to leave the post-production work in, you know, in Justice League. And they brought on Joss Whedon to do reshoots and all that stuff, but it's like, yeah, it, man, that's why Hollywood is messed up, man. You basically fired a guy to basically, you fired a director who, of course, you had, you know, no confidence in and basically hired another director who basically made, a, you know, a similar movie in Avengers. You, you bring him in to basically make a bastardized version of that same film. Like, I'll be honest with you, if Zack Snyder had... If, if he left and basically said, listen, I want to leave such and such person as an editor to basically oversee the completion of the film as we are in the post-production stages. Like, I think that would have been better because, for one, it would have been... You would have had the same film and you wouldn't really have this sort of controversy with you know the whole release the Snyder Cut thing and basically I just feel like the studio really had made a bad judgment call and basically let Snyder finish let let him mourn then come back and finish the film and I just feel that that is of course a bad decision by the studio and all that type of stuff and I just feel that, honestly, they just lost so much money in it. So much time and all that type of stuff due to incompetence, due to, you know, um, having a reactionary type of feeling towards everything. Like, I remember, bam, BVS first came out, right? What happened? Uh, Suicide Squad has to go through major reshoots. And I'm like, okay. I, okay, I get it. You want to make a you know better film to ensure that you know all that stuff, but guess what? Suicide Squad, trash. Then they do the whole thing again with Justice League, and guess what? With all their work, 
all the effort. It's it's trash. It's it's like whatever they tried to do to in order to fix this this DC universe doesn't seem to you know doesn't seem to work for some reason and it just really goes to show the chaotic nature the chaotic environment of what was going on in Warner Brothers and and you know and DC and you know the person who was head of Warner Brothers um Kevin Sujihara who was just I feel like he did not understand what this whole cinematic universe thing was or have a complete understanding of what it meant to run a studio. I mean, that's how I feel. And that's basically what I noticed in terms of differences. I mean, differences is that I feel, you know, it's it, the, the Black Snyder Justice League is superior and it's original and it just feels more it's more truer to what it should have been to compare to the um, the one we got in 2017 now we have the restore the Snyderverse and the future of the DCEU now I put those together because I feel like they you know they both come together very well and it kind of like they're, they're you know one of the two um I feel that I'm, I'm because I look at things that they add a very two sides of like in both sides of the argument right now, right? Now I'm gonna go through the studio side of it. Alright. So, from the studio's point of view, is that all right? They they basically are looking at it as like, okay, we have worked with this man before in Zack Snyder. He has worked with our company since I believe twenty seventeen, tw- uh, not twenty seventeen, um, twenty um, two thousand and six, when he made three hundred, and since then he has built a great sense of rapport with us and. You know, since then we have distributed his movies and he's brought us some money and all that type of stuff. And they realized, okay. And they've realized that, you know, although we have great built great rapport. He has failed us in what we were trying to accomplish. And of course, what they were trying to accomplish was building a cinematic universe that could rival the MCU. And, you know, you know, Man of Steel, you know, I, I, you know, when I was younger, I was 14 at the time. And I remember I watched Man of Steel and I thought it was like the greatest thing ever. But as uh, the years went by and I started to have more of a wider sense of, you know, film and filmmaking and, you know, storytelling, have a deeper knowledge of you know, Superman and who he is and all that type of stuff. I felt that I agreed with what, what, you know, what, you know, was what people were saying about Man of Steel was that Man of Steel missed the mark. And because of it, it didn't live up to expectations because the studio 
expected it to have to have made a billion dollars because it was Superman. So the studio are perplexed and you know, as I'm talking about from the studio point of view, I'm also talking about it in the sense that they're also to, to blame in this whole situation, right? So the studio is, you know, they're perplexed. They're like, we don't get it. We we put money into this film, but for some reason, the, stu- the, the, the audience aren't liking it. We're not getting what we expected it to get. And what, what is going on? And they realize that perhaps the issue may have been Snyder. And that, you know, they, they realize, okay, you know what? We're going to keep him, keep him along. We're going to give him one more. We're going to give him a second shot in Batman v Superman, right? And, you know, I remember Batman v Superman being like, like a fight night. Like we finally see the two greatest comic book characters brought to life on the big screen. And due to, you know, a type of mismanagement and miscommunication between, I believe, Snyder and the studio and the studio not really understanding what they wanted out of this DC Cinematic Universe. They didn't, you know, like, they didn't understand, like, what Snyder was doing. Like, they saw it because they knew exactly what was going on with the five film plan that Zack Snyder had with his DC films. But it's just that they didn't understand, like, they didn't foresee the negative reaction that he would get from the the masses. So BVS comes along and I mean it speaks for itself and it didn't work out. And the film I believe made at least eight hundred million dollars. Still wasn't enough because they were expecting they were expecting a lot of things out of BVS. Like they were expecting at least like a billion to two billion dollars out of that movie, but you know, due to um, a lot of you know mismanagement and then them not fully understanding what what like what Kevin Feige and the rest of the people over at Marvel Studios were doing, they kind of put all their chips on on the deck, on the table, on the deck. What am I saying? <laughs> on the table. So. And because of that, they realized that we can't work with this man because we, we're not getting the desired results we're expecting. And of course, we have this in a lot of the behind the scenes, you know, conflict that he had with the studio and him losing his daughter and all that type of stuff. That, you know, they, they just felt that... You know, it was kind of like a vote of no confidence, basically. And they basically were like, we can't, like, we have to fire this man because we can't trust him in in what we were expecting him to do. And I feel that that is something that, you know, uh, 
sorry y'all i'm just really brainstorming here i'm just really like you know spilling up you know just basically explaining you know you know i'm spitballing here i'm freestyling so bear with me a little bit so you know as we all know studio interference the passing of his daughter the complete mismanagement at the studio basically led to what we saw in 2017 to the point where they realized that we need to wave the white flag and submit to the power of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that we can't do what they can they do right and what they realized is that we need to we can't go toe-to-toe with them when it comes to a connected cinematic universe. We can't. So, in that sense, they decided that we need to focus on solo stories, which they have done very well. Aquaman, love love or hate it, made a billion dollars and was well-received by... You know, the fans, by the critics. I mean, it still holds a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes, but overall, well, re- well received. You know, I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, there are certain aspects of the film that I enjoyed, like, you know, how it looks visually, the fights, um, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II as a Black Manta, um, you know, all, all that type of stuff. And Warner Brothers reaped the benefits of it. We go. We fast forward to April. We have Shazam. Shazam. It was a different type of DC film where they really embraced the funny, you know, kid-friendly type of mood that kind of, you know, similar to what Marvel was doing, but kind of cranked it up a bit to a point where it it really worked, and it worked very well. And because of it, they have managed to cultivate. They they have managed to be on a winning streak and we see and you know it's it didn't it didn't win a lot of money i think because they decided to put the film in uh, decided to drop the film in april and april 2019 i mean we know what's coming avengers endgame so i feel that they should have changed the date a little bit and then perhaps they would have made a bit more money but overall they have made a success they realized that if we allow you know, directors, writers, producers basically tell a single a singular vision of their um, of their um, of these characters. They are going to reap the benefits, and they're going to get money, and they're going to get critical acclaim. And we saw that with Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Joaquin got a best a- one for best actor. Uh, they won for best score. It is considered to be, to this day, the highest rated R film of all time, beating Deadpool. Deservingly so. And, you know, we see... And the reason why it was well received was because of the filmmaking and and, and the, and the, um, the performance by, Jared, by Jared Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. And we see that right now Warner Brothers is reaping 
is getting the benefits. And they're starting to get their groove back. And, you know, since then they've just, and since then, you know, of course they've had, they've caught a couple of L's with Birds of Prey, which I enjoyed. Then you have Wonder Woman 1984, 1984, which not, was not favorable among, you know, the critics, the fans, a lot of people, and kind of really knocked the, knocked the wind out of, you know, DC a bit. And where we're looking to the future, we kind of see the future of DC being a bit more brighter. Brighter in the sense that we have our tourist visions in James Gunn's Suicide Squad, Matt Reeves' The Batman with Robert Pattinson, which I'm really excited for, um... Black Adam, um, you know, just, you know, right, like right now this week, they've just casted the, casted that Pierce Brosnan will be playing Dr. Fate, which is like, yes, yes. And we have, um, you know, uh, Helen Mirren, who's going to be playing at Shazam and who's going to be in Shazam 2. And that really goes to show that they have, they're going to a complete different direction where we can't go toe-to-toe with Marvel in the team-up movie sense, but we can go in the sense where we can produce good content, just as good content, or even better. Just they can, they can produce a lot of good content, basically. And that they've really realized that our number one mandate is to make good movies. That is it. And they that and that no matter what they cannot return to where they were back in 2016 and 2017, where the whole studio was in shambles and having a reactionary movement and doing all that. Like they can't go back to catching L that they as they were before. So, from a business standpoint, they realize that we can't go back to working with this man because. It might screw the pooch and might knock the wind out of us in making a solid DC universe. And I might also have to add that if Justice League 2 were to happen, if Warner Brothers were were deciding to say, hey, uh, we're going to put about $200 million to $300 million worth in, in, in developing another team-up movie, right? Ask yourself. What is the return on investment? There, the studio, rightfully so, expect this movie to make Avengers numbers. A billion dollars out of the gate. But also taking consideration that we were under a pandemic and theaters aren't open. Now that theaters aren't open, you can't, people don't feel comfortable. I mean, maybe, who knows, in the next year or so, as the vaccines start to roll out, maybe as, you know, vaccines roll out, the cases start to, you know, crumble a little bit. Maybe, who knows, maybe people might feel a bit more comfortable to return to movie theaters. But even with that, there's like a lot of like expectation financially that the students are expecting. You know what I mean? And rightfully so. 
in, in a sense. And it's kind of like if, say, you know, Avatar 2 is coming out in, like, I believe 2022 or 2023, I forget. And if it's like if saying, it's like if Disney says something like, we want James Cameron Avatar 2 to come out on Disney+. Plus. And, and no way are they going to be doing that because they invested so much money into that project. And I believe that, you know, that film in itself was, was, you know, that film is very, um, how can you say? That film is based off behind the scene shots. They put a lot of work into it. And that by putting into Disney Plus, it kind of really you know, makes all the work that they put into it, all the money they invested in is like, I believe, I believe they invested at least $300 million in those films. And it's a lot of money. And for them to basically put in Disney Plus kind of really crushes that and basically crushes their expectation to get something out of that investment. So that's basically my point of view. Now, from my point of view of seeing it from the corporate business side of it. Now, for the fans, I mean, for the DC fans now, we feel that we've been cheated from an epic cinematic universe. You know, like right now we're getting stories about the cancelled Ben Affleck Batman movie and what that could have entailed. We've been cheated out of uh, Suicide Squad 2, which could have had Will Smith return. We've had, like, you know, a lot of stuff. And it's, um... It, it kind of disheartening because it feels that now that DC doesn't have a plan moving forward. And Wonder Woman 1984 kind of proved that DC doesn't have a plan now in proceeding with their cinematic universe. And that us as fans, as we watch the Marvel Cinematic Universe blossom, we just feel that when will DC get their chance to shine in that similar way? And for me, when it comes to Restore the Snyderverse, I just personally, I'm just, I'm like more like whatever with it. I'm not saying that I'm not, I'm not supporting it, nor am I against it. But I just feel, as I said before, that I feel like I said before that it was all rushed. It wasn't well thought out. And because of it, it didn't, you know live up to my expectations and the expectation of the general audience. Now, that's personally how I feel. Um, I do hope that... For me, you know, I always appreciate art, so from an artistic sense, who knows, maybe if they... they may be open to it. And... I also feel that... Warner Brothers really put themselves in a difficult position because right now they're claiming that 
all the DC films now are part of this whole multiverse blueprint. And if that were the case, why not continue on the blueprint, continue on the universe that you previously established with Zack Snyder? And it's kind of like you're being a bit hypocritical in that sense. And I understand that. And it really just goes to show the, you know, the the dysfunction that you have over at Warner Brothers. And for me, I mean, either way, I'll watch it to see what it is. But I won't get the same vibe as I would watching, you know, Justice League or... You know, the cartoon, Just League, you know, 2001, Just League Unlimited, The Avengers, like, you won't really get that same, you know, response out of me or out of a lot of people. And now I'm also looking at it from, you know, as, as someone who, I don't like unnecessary suffering. So I feel that if Snyder were to return at Warner Brothers, and work on Justice League 2. Who's to say that he won't, you know, be, you know, who, who's to say that he won't be under studio interference? Who's to say that Warner Brothers won't basically interfere with him and fuck with him and basically be like, yeah, we want this, we want things a certain way. And all that type of stuff. And I just feel that, you know, given his, you know, his past bad blood rivalry with Warner Brothers, I feel that we might see more of that if he returns. Not only that, but uh, Zack Snyder has a great deal over on Netflix. And... You know, over at Netflix, he is making his own, you know, little universe with his Army of the Dead film, which I'm interested in seeing. And right now, he's doing all these other projects. And for me, I feel that right now, Netflix, he's even better than he was at Warner Brothers. Where right now, I I remember hearing something about the CEO of Netflix were saying how they're lucky to have Zack Snyder. He's such a good guy. And all that type of stuff. And that he's really being appreciated. I even heard that Netflix is interested in, in giving him a five-year exclusive deal over there. Which, I mean, if they're going to pay him well, if they're going to treat him well, why not? You know? I mean, I also heard that HBO Max, given the success of the Snyder Cut, they are also looking to give him a five-year exclusive deal, possibly to finish what he started with with his Justice League movie. I mean, that's cool, but I also feel that he'll have to deal with those same toxic people that he had to deal with over again. And basically, that's my fear, and I don't want him to go through that again. I mean, based off basically what I've heard about Zack Snyder is that he's like a real, like, chill dude, and that he is someone who brings loyalty out of his team and really brings good values and a good vibe. And, you know, me watching him in his interviews, he seems like a good guy. He, he, he seems like... How can you say? He seems like that, that frat boy that you knew back then 
you know, you were, you know, you were friends with him, but you weren't, like, too tight with, you know? And, you know, based off, like, I don't know, I just saw, like, um, a playlist of film that he has on, like, HBO Max, and one of them were, like, you know, this, the one of them was Rick and Morty, and I'm, like, you know, I'm, like, you know, you know, he might be, I don't know, I might, bla- I might, you know, He's like that dude, that dude who, who knows, maybe he smokes or he doesn't smoke, you know. I might, you know, puff an L and like, you know, watch Rick and Morty with him. I don't know. Something like that. But overall, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's basically what's, you know, it's all in his, um, his, his corner. What he wants to do, what he doesn't want to do, what's in his best interest. And I just feel that if he were to return to Warner Brothers, I just feel that he might be met with, a lot of adversity and a lot of just toxic people over there and you know I don't want that for anybody I don't want that for him and and not only that but I also feel that he needs to exercise his creative mind and we kind of, and I hope that we'll see that in Don in Army of the Dead and I'm hopeful to see his return to stardom and you know him being praised as a great director and all that type of stuff and basically that's all that you can really hope for other than that um my rating so i rate Zack snyder's justice league a good seven out of ten overall it's a pleasant film if you guys have any time out of your schedule to watch a four-hour film i would recommend it you know if you watch the extended versions of Lord of the Rings, uh, you know, Fellowship of the Ring, uh, Two Towers, Return of the King. If you've seen those extended versions, I recommend you watch that. So that's pretty much my whole analysis. Um, This might not be my best, uh, you know, video. I didn't didn't do a lot of editing of this one. I just put once, uh, you know, once one image of the poster and all that stuff and you know, I the reason why I didn't really do much editing is because, you know, I want to make sure that my opinions go within the algorithm and that if I waited too long, it might slip away. And as you know, I'm in the beginning stages of this YouTube channel and all that type of stuff. So, you know, if you guys bared with me for the entire hour, I appreciate it, you know, right, right on. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all of my thoughts when it comes to, you know, you know, Zack Snyder's Justice League, and, you know, make sure to like, share, subscribe, tune in for more, as I might do more reviews coming on of things that might, you know, interest me. And not only that, um, you know, also share what you guys will want me to watch. You know, like, share things that, let uh, you know, if for those who know me best, like, I don't know, send me, I don't know, a movie or something like that that I can re- do a review on and I can, you know, take, you know, I can review that and and all that. You know, send me requests, guys. You know what I mean? You know, I want this, I want to keep this whole uh, YouTube channel thing moving. So, of course, like, share, subscribe, stay healthy, stay safe, and all that good stuff, all right? So, stay safe, guys, and rock on.